Hi, I'm Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. I'm also the podcast host of Invest in Her and an award-winning producer, author, and TEDx speaker. Our show, Invest in Her, features phenomenal female founders and funders. As you know, women receive less than 2% of venture capital funding. Our series is about accelerating the funding of women by connecting them to funding resources. Let's meet today's guest. Thanks for tuning into the show this week. I'm Catherine Gray, your host of Invest in Her. And today we have on a remarkable guest. She is the CEO of Waverly Diagnostics. Please welcome to the show, Arna Ionesca Stoll. Hi, Arna. How are you? Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that uh, Alicia Castilla Holly uh, connected us. I have such high regard for her um, being uh, in the investment world. In fact, you know, she just started her own fund. I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's she's an amazing investor. I talk to her all the time. She's an investor in Waverly. Wealthing is an investor in Waverly. And I talk to her all the time about the macroeconomic situation. And she just has such a clear vision about where things are and where they're headed. And, and I, I love talking to her every time I yep. do so. She's a smart cookie and uh, um, her Wealthing VC fund, uh, I'm also a part of. And uh, I just think, you know, um, she's just one of the great leaders in this industry of more women starting their own funds. I'm actually doing a film about that called Show Her the Money uh, that'll be coming out later this year. So um, it's always super excited to talk to women like yourself that are recommended by these incredible women that are starting their own funds. So are you still raising funds? We are. Uh, I think uh, the CEO of an early stage startup never, ever stops raising funds. We have yeah. we have a plan for what we accelerate with every dollar that we bring in. And so we never, ever stop raising money. True, true. And, you know, I want to talk about this amazing company that you're working with. I know you take their digital health products from, uh, you know, creating them to market, to commercial market. And it's a very exciting space. Like everybody's talking about digital health today and all the great innovations that are coming out. First, I just want to get a little bit about your background. Um, you were just sharing with me about that you were born in Europe and and uh, was an immigrant here to the U.S. Tell me a little bit about that journey of, of coming here to the United States. Yeah, so uh, my my family I immigrated with my family emigrated with my family as a young child. Um, so I was mostly raised in the U.S., but I was raised in a family that was an immigrant family, and I think there are definitely um, differences to being an immigrant than to, to, to being uh, kind of first generation. Um, I think, you know, one of the big things is failure is not an option when you basically have to leave a country and we were from Eastern Europe. So this was, we left, uh, you know, during the whole era of, of, uh, of, you know, the Eastern Bloc. Uh, so, you know, when, 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 when you, when you have to give up everything and, 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 and get out with, some possessions and make it into a new place and establish a new life. The mindset is that failure is not an option, right? Like you fight, you fight every single day, you fight to the bitter end. Both of my parents are highly entrepreneurial. Um, they came here prepared to uh, do whatever it took. And yet both of them, I think, had the educational foundation and the drive 
and the luck to start pretty successful businesses themselves and and, and build a life here for for us and and my sister and, and myself. And so, you know, I think there's definitely a mindset that is well suited to early stage entrepreneurship um, when you come from that kind of that kind of background because you are going to succeed. The alternative is not an option. Wow, I like that mentality. And you know what? You are absolutely right. When you're an entrepreneur, you have to have that mentality that failure is not an option. That's what keeps you going, right? And uh, there's so many immigrants out there that add so much value to our country. I think it's an important conversation for us to continue to have because uh, people like yourself, um, you know, bringing new innovations to the country, it, it's so important. This country was absolutely built on the backs of immigrants from all over the world that make the United States a better place. And we have to cherish that and, um, you know, really um, celebrate that, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the diversity that we have is what breeds innovation, what breeds creativity. Um, and I think it's a, it's a pretty unique place in terms of the opportunity that you have to, to really craft the life that you want. And I was really impressed that you went to Stanford and uh, Princeton, uh, really amazing schools, of course. Um, tell me about Tell me about that. What was your experience at those schools um, and, and what did you study? Yeah, I mean, you know, I worked really, really hard in high school, um, you know, got into Princeton. I owe a tremendous amount to my parents who really always valued and prioritized education above all else. And, um, you know, I think that really paved the way for my sister and I to both be quite successful academically. Um, at Princeton, I majored in computer science and minored in modern dance. Um, it was yeah. I wait. I saw that, and I was like, "What an interesting combination!" But I thought to myself, "I bet you're like a really grounded person because here you have this, you know, computer science background balanced with that modern dance." I thought it was a a, a really interesting and cool combination. Well, it really is the left brain, right brain coming together, which is something that I've always had. And and it's why in grad school, I then basically did computer science, but with a focus on human computer interaction, which is a design discipline, right? And so in order to really create technology that works for people, you have to do both the left and the right brain simultaneously. And so I think that was um, that was a, a big driver in terms of uh, you know the fact that I had kind of that art and that science, the technical and the more humanistic, uh, really I think led me down the path that I'm on. It was interesting, um, you know, socially though, because I was actually the only woman in my department in the '90s in computer science at Princeton in my ear, um, and then in, in dance, of course, I. There might have been a guy. I don't know if there was. Um, and so I had these two like completely opposite communities and, and they both uh, were just wonderful. And I'm really close still to a lot of people in both of them. And I have to say, I did get to be the maid of honor at one of my best friends from dance who married one of my close friends from computer science. And so, oh, so that was that was really fun. I love that. But what a great balance and what a gift because, you know, some people just are right brain or just are left brain. But when you have the two, it really can be super powerful. And, and I think that's a great combination. Um, 
And so how did you get into this digital health? Because I know you've been in digital health before even there was a terminology, digital health. So how did, how did, what was your first foray into it? I know you helped build like a billion dollar company. Tell me about that beginnings journey into this arena. That's right. So it really started back in uh, you know, 20 plus years ago, I was at a company called IDEO, which is an amazing company that, you know, is really kind of on the forefront of innovation and design thinking. And I was in the health practice and I started seeing this pattern of companies that were trying to use technology to facilitate healthcare delivery. And it, it was becoming a pattern. And this was this was pre-iPhone, right? This was like very early days of EMR. This was very early days of telephonic disease management. Yeah, by the way, our young listeners can't even imagine a time when there wasn't a phone, but believe me, there was a time we didn't have cell phones, right? That's true. That's true. There was, we promise. And, <laughs> um, and, and, and it was, you know, it, it was all about, it, this was back when like every single interaction in the healthcare space required like a piece of paper, a pencil and a fax machine, right? And so nothing was actually data mineable. Nothing, nothing was, uh, you couldn't pull it up at will. It was, it was, it was. And it wasn't that long ago, actually, 20 plus years ago is not that long ago. No. Um, and so th- you know, there were companies that were starting to try and change this. And yes, it was very slow at the beginning to change it. But uh, what I was able to do within IDEO is found what we call the domain and IDEO parlance, which is you know a, a small business unit that was called Connected Health. And that really looked at um, you know the patterns uh, and what companies were facing around kind of trying to use technology to facilitate healthcare delivery. And so that was really, um, I think, my first experience in digital health, what became known as digital health, uh, and also in, in building a business unit as well. Um, and so that was really, really my start and really where I started uh, being a part of a lot of a lot of the conversations and retreats um, that were that were really serving as the foundation for the industry and meeting a lot of the people that were also involved in it in those times. And what's fun is one of the people that I actually met back in those very, very early days, we've we stayed in touch over the decades and she's actually on our board of directors right now, which is which is pretty amazing. Well, that's great. And that, uh, you know, helped build that company up and end up being a, a billion dollar company, right? Well, that was the next one. So, oh, that um, was IDEO, the next one. Okay. Yeah, so IDEO is, uh, I, I, you know, after IDEO is an, an amazing place, you're, but you are consulting with companies. And, and I think after, after a number of years there, I, I started to feel the itch to take something over the finish line and to own it, as opposed yeah. to just make recommendations. Like you would basically get all in and so intense on on these on these projects and these companies, and you'd form this this baby, which is you know whatever you were working on, and then hand it over the fence and you walk away. And it just gets really hard to do after a while. Right. Um, and so then I uh, went in house at a company that yes um, was an early digital health company that grew into a billion dollars of valuation and that was an incredible growing uh, opportunity to grow and learn um, and then ended up moving up to Seattle where I founded a boutique consulting practice working exclusively with uh, early stage mostly digital health companies or medical device companies looking to add a digital layer to their products. And what were some of the products that came out of your consulting firm? All sorts. I mean, I worked on uh, at-home blood collection devices. I worked at uh, fertility monitoring. I worked on, um, uh, you know, the, uh, blood glucose and adding kind of more layers of data into that. It was really uh, very a lot of very diverse projects within the healthcare space. Very cool. And then... 
you made the leap to become the CEO of the company you're at now, Waverly uh, Diagnostics. Waverly. Yeah. Waverly. 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 Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, Waverly does uh, what kind of products? So we're all about accessibility to health for kids. And so if, oh, if wow. you think about where we we where 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 we come from, there's been this huge shift in care delivery coming out of the pandemic, which is towards virtual care, towards telehealth, towards digital front doors. But the reality is that kids are largely locked out of being able to do telehealth, being able to access virtual care. And the reason for that is because is because it's hard for kids to explain what's wrong with them. It's hard for them to articulate their symptoms with a lot of specificity. I mean, I have two daughters who are four and seven, and you know, I think they could be in the backyard with a broken leg and they'll still tell me they have a tummy ache. Like they always <laughs> just tell me they have a tummy ache. And so what that means is if anything's wrong with your kid, you have to schlep them into the doctor for physical exams, for diagnostics. You can't just talk about it because kids can't talk about it very well. Right. And so uh, there are companies that, you know, are creating tools for remote diagnostics, but they require a lot of premeditation. They require spending a lot of money up front to make sure you have those tools. And so what we're doing instead is we're building a suite of smartphone based medical diagnostics that essentially unlock key physical exam findings right then and there on your phone. So you don't need to premeditate. It's there when you need it. You only pay when you need it. Um, and it allows you to provide the key physical exam findings for the main reasons kids go to the doctor. Um, the first app in our platform is for ear infections. And so basically we're providing whether or not you have middle ear fluid, which is the key physical exam finding for a doctor to virtually diagnose an ear infection. So they do that through the medical app. We have a medical app and we essentially use the phone's hardware to generate and record tones that are from the, on the phone that are bounced off of the eardrum. And then we are able to then use a machine learning classifier to determine if the shape of the reflection of that sound indicates that there's fluid or not behind the eardrum. Wow, that is fascinating. So you don't even have to take the child into the doctor. This is all done like digitally. So our, uh, our medical team has estimated based on data that they've found that you know, 90% of suspected ear infections will be able to be managed, treated virtually. 10% are still going to have things that are unusual, unexpected, and are going to need to go in. But the vast majority, you're not going to need to schlep into the doctor, which is a huge, huge gain for parents who have busy, chaotic lives, for, for parents who are managing multiple children, for parents who are managing full-time jobs, um, you know, for parents who live far away from clinics. I'm really proud that uh, we are actually supported by the National Institute for Minority Health and Health Disparities. Um, we have a large grant from them to, to really use our technology to reduce health disparities in, in remote rural populations who have a hard time getting into the clinic. Absolutely. So if someone uh, wanted this app, they would download, is it called the Waverly app, uh, Diagnostic app? Eventually, we're not we're not uh, necessarily starting direct to consumer right now. I think oh, gotcha. direct, direct to consumer 
you know, we'll, we'll get there. Direct to consumer is a, is a difficult pathway for young companies because it's a very expensive pathway. Uh, what we're doing first is we're actually working with companies that already have digital front doors and are looking to expand that in the pediatric space, are looking to add ear infections in the pediatric space. And so that's really what our initial uh, go-to-market focus is, is on working with organizations that already have digital front doors and are looking to expand its scope in the pediatric. Would that be like hospitals? Exactly. It would be like, it would be, yeah. So a lot of integrated systems are already looking to use more digital, virtual digital care, direct primary care practices, and also these um, direct to consumer um, kind of pediatric telehealth platforms that, that you're seeing uh, growing up um, everywhere as well. So, so the technology is used like in existing apps that, that already have these diagnostics yeah, so no, the, we we have a standalone app, but it would be used by providers that are already offering virtual care. So it's gotcha. the provider who's our direct customer, um, and then they would add our app into the tool set that they use to deliver their virtual care. Can you give us an example of some of the companies that might utilize that? So... Um, well, an example of some of the kinds of companies, since um, I'm not actually at liberty yet to talk about who the companies are that we have signed contracts with, uh, but right. hopefully I will within a few months here, because um, we are quite early. You know, we've we've just yeah. recently started um, getting out into the world, and we're doing it cautiously because we're early. Um, but you know, you could imagine an integrated healthcare system like Geisinger or Intermountain um, Health uh, being having a lot of interest in essentially. Uh, you know, providing kind of more convenient access to care for their families, providing more efficient um, care pathways for their for their system. Um, one system that we spoke with, not necessarily the ones I mentioned, but they did a longitudinal analysis on their care delivery costs. And they found that for every visit, they are able to shift from brick and mortar to telehealth. They save $124 in care delivery costs. And so they've actually allocated significant budgets to pay for tools that enable them to increase utilization of virtual care because it helps them on so many different fronts, like managing staffing shortages and um, and just not losing patients as well. Like we've heard from one 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 uh, provider system, a pretty big one, that they're losing families because they're they're moving to more kind of digitally savvy. Um, uh, care models because uh, they want to be able to access more more digital care and so I think um, you know organizations like that I think are highly motivated to use more digital care and then if you look at just the big telehealth platforms um, and especially the ones focused in pediatrics um, you know the big names out there like you've got um, you know uh, I mean teledoc obviously am well plus right. the pediatric ones like brave care and summer health and and whatnot. Uh, you know, they're, they're all really interested in tools that help them increase the scope of digital care, of virtual care as well. Right. That makes sense. And I would think that these um, insurance companies, like, I mean, just to say like, you know, Blue Shield or someone like that, I would think that they too would want these entities to be using more digital health. Am I right about that? Yeah. I think there is definitely a push by payers yeah. um, to increase. I mean, I think you know, it's interesting because I've been talking to a lot of payers and I think payers kind of fall into the category of, um, you know, having done analyses that make them gung-ho about digital health because, you know, in their conservative analysis, they break even in, in their less conservative ana analyses, they are way ahead if they use more virtual care. Other payers are a little bit more conservative in their analyses and are worried about increased utilization of care as opposed to 
you know, so, um, but I think for the most part, I think uh, payers are also keen to uh, push more, more virtual care utilization. And so I think that that also bodes very well for us because we enable, you know, 30 million appointments a year that today require an in-person visit to happen in the virtual space. Wow. That's amazing. Do you think uh, we'll see more and more of this? Like this is the future, right? I think remote diagnostics are absolutely key. So, you know, we have identified 32 companies that are using the smartphone to build and deliver medical diagnostics. And I think that we're we're just going to be seeing more and more of that for a whole slew of, um, you know, different conditions. It's it's actually been a really wonderful uh, industry to be a part of at, you know, we're kind of at the inception of this industry. I think we're one of the forces that's really guiding the the creation of, of the industry as a whole. And, and what's been wonderful is I've made it my goal to form relationships with as many of the other CEOs in our industry as I can. And, and we've all been highly, highly collaborative um, because we're all working on different diagnostics. So we're not directly competitive and yet we're all dealing with very similar challenges. And so it is beneficial to all of us to help each other, which has been a really wonderful community to be a part of. It sounds very exciting. And I think it's very cool that you kind of been in this space like before people were really talking about it. Um, so how would people like, let's say they wanted to either, maybe they have a company and they want to use what you're providing um, or um, they wanted to invest in your company, like what's your website, what's your contact? Do you have social media? How do people get in touch? Absolutely. Please visit our website at wavelydx.com. We are also on LinkedIn, on Twitter, um, you know, on, on, on Instagram, but uh, the best way is to reach out to me, Arna, A-R-N-A at wavelydx.com. Um, and I'd be happy to talk with you either if you're interested in partnering with us to use Waverly as part of your virtual care delivery, or if you're interested in supporting us, um, as I, we are, we are always looking for, um, we're never going to stop looking for, for funds, especially not in, in these early days, especially not with, uh, the economy that we're facing. We're in the fortunate position with, uh, the SBIR that we have from the National Institute for Minority Health and Health Disparities to have runway, um, in to Q2 of 2024, but we, uh, have a lot of uh, activities that we would want to accelerate with with more funding. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all this. Like, I think this is one of the things I love most about the show is we get to talk to people every week doing incredible work in the world that's game changing and disruptive. And uh, this was certainly a great conversation. Um, and also, I love on Invest in Her to bring to light to people opportunities that they get to invest in very exciting companies run by women. And uh, we want you to get behind uh, Waverly and Arna uh, if that's of interest to you. So um, look up Arna. Uh, she gave you her email. You can find her on uh, LinkedIn or social media. You can also find me, Catherine Gray, invest in her on Instagram and our sheangelinvestors.com. And she angel investors, of course, is on social too. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Arna, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Thank you so much for having me. Goodbye, everybody. Make it a great week. Remember, if you're looking to launch a business or grow your business, check out our e-course, Six Ways to Fund Your Business, available at sheangelinvestors.com.